Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Jeff Yastin. Jeff, are you ready to do this? I am ready. Excellent. Let, let's do this. Jeff is a senior investment strategist at Wealth Press. He's a recognized leader in stock analysis. I'm excited to have you on. Jeff, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. You know, I, uh, I live at the beach, have a, a wife and a 14-year-old son, which is great. It reminds me and keeps me humble of what I was like when I was 14. <laughs> and and uh, living near the beach, we do a lot of uh, ocean-type stuff. My son and I, uh, now that he's uh, uh, you know, a, a big, strong kid, we go out, take our sea kayaks out and do a little sea kayaking. And uh, we try to get out and do uh, some hiking and camping when it's not too hot. Or we travel up to Georgia. We did a like a four days on the Appalachian Trail uh, last summer, which was a blast. And you know, I, I'm, when I, I'm not relaxing with them, I'm writing a newsletter called Next Gen Profits, and it's really you know my 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 mission here is to show people how to make money and how to keep from losing it all back in the stock market. I think that's a pretty good summary. Nice, I appreciate that. How to make money and how to avoid losing it. That's the thing about the market, <laughs> right? Is that you need to be right when you get in and, 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 and right when you sell. Yes. Yeah, and it there's there's part of it's almost mathematics in that quite frequently so many people we wind up buying uh we, we get way too overconfident. That's just a, a common thing for anybody uh, in, in especially these times in a, in a huge bull market like we've been seeing lately. But just overall, and, and especially for men, we tend to just be overconfident. I can take this thing. I, I know what I'm doing. <laughs> and, uh, and, and when you're new, you feel like it's, it's something you are, uh, are, are able to do. Everybody else is doing it. Why can't you? So what happens? We wind up becoming overconfident. We buy too much. And maybe at different times, especially lately, you looks like you're right and you may well be right. Unfortunately, what then happens is as you buy more and more, eventually the market turns or the particular investment you're into turns against you and then, you know, you lose 30%, uh, 40%. And so much of it goes back to your portfolio. What was the amount of money that you started with and making sure you don't blow yourself up. <laughs> that's the way I put it, because that's a common occurrence for new investors. And for even for people like me, when you first start out, is you, you buy too much, and then when things don't turn out right, you are way down, and you have to then do the hard work of looking back and figuring out, where did I go wrong? And nobody likes doing that, because it means going back uh, and looking at your your wrong decisions and sort of working through the pain of all that to understand how you do it right. I appreciate everything you just said. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. 
So Jeff, I, I, I don't know if this is actually knowable information. Uh, do you have a sense of, in terms of an ordinary investor wanting to start investing in the stock market, which I think is extremely common right now, uh, for better or for worse, who will go in and make an investment and be perhaps overconfident and then lose money? Are, are, are there folks that will never invest again or how 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 have you seen that sort of take shape with 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 newer investors? In my time as a, I used to be a, a financial journalist for about seventeen years with a, a PBS show called Nightly Business Report that was broadcast nationally. And through that time, I was also doing the same thing everybody else is doing. You know, investing, learning to invest on the side. I had an advantage because I could talk to. I, I've interviewed Warren Buffett twice, wow. and so I, I had a little bit of an advantage in talking to these top people through the, the course of my job and getting those getting those insights. But we all kind of travel the same the same journey on this, and so I've I've seen you know two major booms and busts. And if we count this one, I'm not saying it's a bust, but we certainly count this as a as a nice boom for being inspired by various factors. And in that time, it kind of repeats itself. People get really excited, and unfortunately, they get really excited near the end of a big move in, in the market. And unfortunately, a lot of folks get caught up, again, buying way too much at the top. And yeah, they get burned as the uh, excitement wears off and whatever it was that they purchased goes down in value. And then they swear it off and sometimes swear it off for years. And then they get excited again, at, unfortunately, at the near the peak of the next move. It's, it's, it's human nature, and it's, it's terrible because, of course, it repeats itself. And that's where I feel like I come in because I'm trying to sort of explain why the markets do what they do. And if we understand more of, of how the markets work and how stocks go from undervalued to eventually overvalued, and the process can take years, and within sectors and different companies, they all kind of travel this same journey at different time frames. And if you can look at, if you can figure out how to value a stock and, and understand the valuations of the stock market, it gives you at least some sense of whether you're buying near a potential top or buying near a potential bottom. And that puts the odds in your favor. And if you can do a little, just a little bit of that, that will help you to succeed and to not lose confidence when you're wrong. We'll all be wrong at different points. So what a what an incredibly timely conversation to be to, or time to be having this conversation as we have what I can only imagine are millions of new investors getting introduced to the stock market through Robinhood and now getting introduced to the stock market through Reddit and everything else and then cryptocurrencies. So maybe, a, and, and, and perhaps you've had these conversations with, 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 with your 14-year-old son, uh, but how, how, how would you go about coaching up or, or how do you encourage a, a, a relatively new investor to start learning about what you just described? I think it's important to understand that there's like two different parts of, of a stock that you need to understand. The part that everybody is very excited about, and, and rightly so, uh, since the bottom of the, the pandemic or panic of the pandemic back last March, almost almost exactly a year ago now, uh, is, is the momentum side of things. 
you know, the stock market last February, March sold off. The S&P 500 fell 40%. And at the bottom, everybody was very, very scared. And even the professionals, I'll say the so-called professionals on Wall Street, who should be buying at that time, were basically many of them on the fence. And uh, I was working for a different organization at the time, but I was writing articles saying, this is the time to be buying. I was noting like Facebook had fallen about 30 or 35%. And from a valuation perspective, that's the point I'm trying to get to, understanding the profits that a company earns and learning how to value what it earns in a year against its stock price as a, as a measure of value is helpful because everybody loves the, the momentum side of it. And it's great. We've benefited from that tremendously over the past year. But at some point, the values of, of stocks start also having an influence on whether a stock continues to move higher or needs to move lower in a, in a bear market, or sometimes it just needs to move lower and sort of take a rest and go sideways for a while. Got it. Okay. So the momentum piece of it, understanding that, that it could be, I don't want to say irrational exuberance, but just people pouring into it that are going to cause it to go up. And it may or may not be due to the actual earnings of the stock, which then equate to fundamentally the, the actual value of the stock. Yes, that's, that's it. Exactly. And, and uh, like using an example of like 1999 and 2000, which is another point of, of, of great exuberance in the market. And again, I'm not saying that tomorrow or next week or next month, next year, that we're somehow we're going to fall into a bear market. There's an awful lot of stimulus out there and other things uh, with the pandemic and, and the vaccinations and all that, that I think uh, could help support the market nicely. But some sectors may take a rest while other sectors that have not done so well may move higher. And it goes back to this point that's the toughest part for people to understand is that valuation level where you take the price of the stock and divide it by you know the annual earnings per share. It's called a price earnings ratio. And just something very basic like that will help you to understand. Because if you understand historically that, say, uh, a particular stock typically traded at, let's say it's growing fast and it typically traded at a PE ratio of 25 or 30, and now it's trading at a PE ratio of 70 or 80 or 100, doesn't mean it goes down tomorrow. Doesn't mean it goes down next quarter or next year necessarily. But again, it's about calculating the odds. Are you buying as part of the early group that's getting in while it's uh, has a lower valuation and it, the excitement levels are less? Or are you buying at the potential top, yes, where you may be the last person holding that share of stock before Wall Street decides, as it sometimes does, that, you know what, that particular group of stocks is done and we're moving on to something else. And th that is just a common occurrence on Wall Street as they move from uh, tech stocks to real estate stocks to uh, undervalued, you know, value stocks that are just these, you know, boring, out of favor uh, companies, and then on to emerging markets and everything else. And it's just, it's just the way that Wall Street looks for value, going from low value to high value. And at some point, they move on, and they just don't announce it when they, when that, uh, when that situation begins to happen. It's so interesting. So we're talking about how Wall Street can or does move from. Um, what they perceive to be very high value, and when they make that decision, that's probably going to have the impact of increasing 
the value of certain stocks within that sector. And when they move on to some to somewhere else, that's probably going to have the the effect of decreasing the actual um, valuation of, of of some of those stocks that are in that sector. Is it just for to to try to figure this out from by by analogy, everything that's going on with with Reddit? Just it's, it, is is that a kind of a microcosm when you have on this Wall Street bet, they say, oh, we're going to focus on silver this week. So everybody sort of moves over to silver. And then they say, no, we're going to move over to XYZ stock this week. It's a, I call it a symbol or a marker of where we are. I think it's fascinating the way uh, through social media, you know, diverse, regularly, you know, small groups of investors have gotten together and they've really been able to sort of, you know, stick it to the man, so to speak. In terms of some of these stocks, like GameStop, that you had just huge numbers of hedge funds, I, I would call it camping out in the stock with these, uh, with their short selling, and keeping the price down. I, I have not been into GameStop at all anytime in recently or in the last handful of years, but it is one of those stocks I thought had some value, and uh, it was interesting to see a lot of the short sellers who were just camping out in it. Kind of get their their heads handed to them by the the, the folks on Reddit, the Wall Street bets, but it is a marker in that everybody's excited, everybody's wants to sort of band together. There is a social aspect to investing now because social media is so much more powerful. We have these great tools to to get together, but that can also be it's a it's a double sided you know it's a two edged sword. It we've seen the the one edge. The other side of it is, and it's just typical in the stock market, when crowds of people tend to be wrong at tops and, and bottoms. And so at some point, and I don't know when that will be, but at some point uh, that crowd will be wrong or we'll see the market fall 10 or 15% and the crowd will say, all right, we've gotten our sell-off, we've gotten our correction. Now, you know, everybody back in the pool and in a bear market, that's the point, you know, when you have a, a small correction and everybody gets more bullish instead of less bullish, that's a hallmark of a bear market. And that is the point where then suddenly the bottom drops out and falls another 10 or 15%. And that's when there's, you know, the, the wailing and gnashing of teeth, if you will, because that's the point where a lot of folks who had made money on the way up lose a big chunk of it as the market begins to sell off and, the, and you know, the, the real value plays, the, the real places to invest are, are not immediately um, uh, available or they're, you know, it's not immediately evident where they should be buying, where the real values are. Fascinating, right? So obviously um, we need to have tools that we can use like understanding price to earnings ratio or PE ratio to be actually doing an analysis of a certain equity. So how do I take this tool and apply it to this company? Uh, and then recognize that we are so emotional and so much of the decisions that we're making are emotional. Do you have, do you have another tool like a PE ratio that you really think that if people understood and applied this to the investments they're making that would really serve them? Yeah, there's a there's a handful of things that I look for in in uh, good, good stocks. So one is, and, and it's been amazing. It's been amazing to me how uh, many folks don't look at this at all. 
is just to go back and look at the profits, presuming the company you know, you're looking at has any, looking at profits and revenue and you know, the, the ideal stock in any market environment is seeing a company that, that every year has more revenue in the, in the, you know, the newest completed year than it did in the year before and uh, hopefully has some profits as well. And it's been fascinating, especially in the last three or four months, that a lot of stocks that have never earned profits and never will earn any profits are, are moving higher and higher and higher. And so those are where I say it's great to go into those as a speculation. You know, and that's where I, I talk about momentum. But those are also the stocks that if you camp out in them, if you're saying, boy, this stock is one, I'm, I'm, it's going to be my, my fortune maker. You know, I'm going to retire on this one. But if you don't look at its bottom line numbers and you see that it's never earned a profit, like I'll give you an example. One is, is a company I actually recommended it on my Facebook page. Uh, for for some of my followers uh, back months ago called Blink Charging. And it's like an electric vehicle charging network. And I recommended it at the time just because from a technical basis, just looking at the charts, it looked like it was about to take off. And we knew with uh, the election coming up that if Biden was uh, was came into office, obviously that would be good for all things having to do with electric vehicles. And that's what happened. And I think we I recommended the, that stock on my Facebook page at like 10. And I think I said to sell it at 30 or 29. Now it's at 54. <laughs> um, but Bloomberg came out with an article just in, in the recent days talking about that specific company having never earned a profit in the last 10 years. And so that's one aspect that, that people need to look at. You know, does your company that you like does it make money or is it on the path towards making money? And the other aspect is something that I, I learned the hard way is that there are some companies, some stocks out there where because they don't really earn money, what they will do for literally for years on end is just sell more and more shares. And so they'll do these, they're called secondary offerings. They'll sell a million shares here and a million shares there and investors will buy them. And that dilutes the value of what everybody else owns, you know, the prior shareholders. I, I like to compare it to or uh, have the analogy of a pizza. And, you know, they keep taking the pizza and making the slices smaller and smaller. So, you know, each individual slice has less and less value. And there are companies out there that have been doing that you know, since, since I was a young man in the 1990s and still have yet to turn a profit, but they're still in business because they can still sell two or three million more shares uh, to keep to get their cash in, pay their salaries, keep the company going. And every so often it'll, you know, those stocks will come in for a pop and they'll go up, you know, 30, 40, 50% in markets like this one. And then you look a year or two later and they, they're fading back down to where they were before and lower. And often those kinds of stocks, they'll even have done what's called a reverse stock split because they have so many shares. They actually have to sort of coagulate all the shares into a, a smaller number. But again, all that works against you as a shareholder. If somebody were inclined to be doing this kind of research, where 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 can they find this information? I, I would certainly suggest our, our website, uh, wealthpress.com and our YouTube channel of the same name 
And certainly, if, if I'm going to, I'll do a shameless plug here to go to my sure. specific YouTube channel because I feel like these sorts of topics don't get much discussion. And as you were saying earlier in our conversation here, George, there's so many millions of new investors, uh, many of them young, many of them older folks who unfortunately have, have not uh, gotten involved and not felt compelled to be involved until now. And of course, it's, it's a different environment. Uh, and so I would suggest going to our website, watching our material, reading our material, and but taking it slow because it takes time to unravel the different facets of the market. And if you're going to invest, invest in, in only in small ways so that you, uh, when you make mistakes, and we all learn through mistakes, especially when it comes to investing, but that your mistakes don't sink you and set you back uh, in, in a way that, again, it might be five or 10 years before you ever want to touch another stock. Yeah, amen. Well, Jeff, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? You know, the, the key thing, this is something I have uh, over and over again, it goes to the idea of not blowing up your own portfolio through the good times and the bad times. And the idea is, think about how many times can you be wrong? You know, play good defense. If you play good defense in the stock market, the offense part will work itself out just fine. So how many times in a row can you be wrong without blowing up your portfolio? And uh, a long time ago, I, I remember reading this, uh, that let's say you start out with $10,000 in, in your portfolio. If you lose 10% of it, right, you're down to $9,000. It takes a 12% return to get back to break even. That's, uh, you know, we can do that. That's, that's not that hard to do. If you lose 20% of your portfolio's value, it takes a 25% gain to get back to break even. Again, that can be done. That's not too hard. But if you lose 30% of your portfolio's value, then it takes a 42% gain to get back. And, you know, if you can get a 42% gain in, say, a year or two out of your portfolio, you, know, you ought to be you know, managing money in a hedge fund someplace because right. that's that's tough to do, except in, in times like now where there's so much exuberance. And of course, the math just works against you even, even more so the more you lose. So that's the key is uh, betting small and letting the volatility of the of the market. You know, if you're buying a stock that's moving higher, uh, buy a smaller amount. And that way, you know, number one, you can sleep well at night. And if the stock is moving higher, that's where I say about the momentum. Let the momentum work, but you have to just let it ride higher and higher. And that's the tough part for so many people. You bet too much, and then when it goes against you, you've lost a lot. Then you want to double down, and that's where, again, the math of, of losing uh, chunks of money out of your overall portfolio value really can sink you. So play good defense. And the offense will work just fine as you get into certain stocks and they'll they'll just move higher. And suddenly you'll be like, wow, how did I how did I do so well? And it's because you were you were avoiding the big mistakes. Charlie Munger, who is Warren Buffett's uh, sort of co-chief at Berkshire Hathaway, always talks about this, that he, he said this many times. His goal is to avoid doing stupid things. And if we avoid doing that. Uh, everything else works out just fine. Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Jeff, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? 
George, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. Give us the website again and tell us about the um, the new offering you have coming up. Sure. The website is wealthpress.com. And I have a, uh, a new newsletter called Next Gen Profits. And that's a, a you know paid subscriber newsletter. And, you know, that's a, a, I think that's important for people because if you're looking for advice and help, you want somebody who's going to stand behind, you know, the stocks they're saying you ought to, you know, perhaps consider. And, and then we analyze those stocks and follow them. And if the ones, you know, that I talk about don't work out, again, I'm going to analyze the good and the bad. And, uh, you know, I've been at this long enough to know the stocks that give us the best odds. You know, there's no guarantees in the stock market, but um, the best odds for the stocks that will work out well. Uh, over time. And quite often they're ones that are kind of hiding in plain sight that don't get talked about on CNBC. And those are the ones that uh, I, I like to look at because people don't need me to tell them about Tesla or Bitcoin or what have you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would highly suggest uh, looking for my newsletter, Next Gen Profits. We look at tech stocks and many other uh, you know, very fascinating high growth areas, but we try not to chase stocks. We try not to go into things just because they're popular. We go into them because the numbers say this can work and we're going to make money, not just you know a month from now or six months from now, but uh, for the for the true long term. That's the goal. Love it. Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jeff your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to wealthpress.com, check out their YouTube channel, and subscribe to Jeff's uh, newsletter at nextgenprofits.com. Thanks again, Jeff. Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.